In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. Joining me today is my unbelievable co-host, Patrick Pister. Hey, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Patrick. We made it through OTC, and we're uh, still alive. I'm still recovering. <laughs> I've got so much work to do. <laughs> me too, and I'm actually tired of crawfish and alcohol. <laughs> and if you don't know what OTC is, well, we just came back from the Offshore Technology Conference. Uh, it's the largest offshore conference in the world, the third largest trade show of any kind, and we had a good time, didn't we? That's right. And if you're listening to this podcast in the future, we will be at the next OTC. So, <laughs> Yeah, C- come, come find us. We'll probably be at the Red Wing booth. Uh, Patrick, what episode is this? This is episode number 44. Before we get into our guests, you know what we have, Patrick? What do we have? We have our own radio station. We do. We have our own internet stream and radio station. You can hear us in all our glory for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Fall asleep with us. and (laughs) Who would not want to listen to us 24 hours? I do all the time. It's it's constantly playing at my house. Yeah, um, not at mine. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so where are we today, Patrick? We are here at uh, Puffer Swison. Um, say it again, Louise. Help me out. Puffer Swiven. 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 Um, here in, uh, in Stafford, Texas. Uh, we've got Luis and his guest all the way from WA. We've got Hans uh, Sauer. Correct. Um, yeah. And WA is West, Western, Western Australia. Western Australia. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> for, for I, know, I know it because I spent a year there. So. <laughs> yeah. In Texas, they might think you're talking about West Arlington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's about as far away from uh, Houston as you can get. Yeah, absolutely. How long does it take you to get here? Well, I'd say you've got to allow 30 hours, and yeah. probably at least in the year about 26 of those hours. Yeah, so you get a lot of work done? or <laughs> No, a lot of sleeping, a lot yeah. of drinking, a lot of movie watching. <laughs> yeah, there's not much else to do in a, that, that tube when you're 30,000 feet up for 30-some-odd hours. That's crazy. <laughs> so um, be- before we get into because Hans has this just magical story that we talked about today at lunch. Before we get in that, Luis, you and I actually met where? Do you remember? We met at last year's Chili Cook-Off. At the Chili Cook-Off. Speaking of health... <laughs> it's a very healthy place to go eat. High protein. High protein. And so um, we actually, I actually shot a little video a short with you, which then I lost. And then we came back to your office and we shot another one. But if people don't know what Puffer Swison does, what do y'all do? Puffer Swison is a traditional manufacturer's rep. So we have some what we call business units that we have products from a simple fitting down to controlling an entire facility or location for one of our customers. So we do a lot of automation, a lot of uh, safety and a lot of reliability solutions for our customers. Yeah, and, and one of the reasons that we have you on the show is I know that Puffer has a very strong safety culture. Not just you helping your clients be safe, but your people itself. That, that is correct. We actually have what we call on our internal webpage a PS Learn, where we have safety courses for us. So every month, every two months, HR sets up some classes for all employees, whether it's management down to uh, our warehouse people, and we all take safety classes. So last week for me was tripping and falling. I took an entire class and had to pass a test to make sure I don't trip and fall. Wait, so do they teach you how to trip properly? 
how not to trip. <laughs> <laughs> how not to trip properly. Yeah, and you know that that tripping thing is something that nobody ever thinks of, but it, but it happens just out of the blue. If you're not paying attention, if there's something in the floor that's not there, and you can take it, especially in a warehouse on concrete, you can take a nasty fall. Well, for office personnel like I do that work inside the office, I mean, you never think about those things. It's you just come to your desk and work. But people have fallen off desks. Yeah. Well, even even offshore, when I was out there, you a lot of, you can't take your boots into the facility that you're at. You want to keep a clean environment, so they just kick their shoes off. And now their coveralls are down past their heels going up and down stairs. It actually becomes a, a, a more frequent hazard than you even think about. You don't, you don't really think about it, but now you get your coveralls down around your, past your foot, it, you're going to slip on them. Yeah. And so one of the things that um, I've learned about Puffer is that y'all are heavy in process controls. Yeah. And process controls, if you think about it, is, is the ability for somebody from a remote location to operate and monitor what's going on. That is correct. We, we have a lot of products to help our customers in that process control. Yeah, and that falls right smack in the middle of safety, right? Because you don't have some guy out there turning a valve. That, that is correct. Safety is actually one of our mantras, I'll call it, where we have products designed for safety or help our customers in a safety environment or create a more safety environment for them. Yeah, and your customers are some kind of big companies, aren't they? We range from some of the major companies here locally and globally down to um, some smaller customers. We, we, we'll take customers. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, can you tell um, Luis is from sales? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, just call me. I don't care. <laughs> we'll give you our number at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but how cool is it that the, the salespeople are taking safety training? You said every month you all go through this? Every month, every two months, we have courses set up for us auto- online for us to take. Yeah. And it's all the way up to management, too, so it's a culture for us. Yeah, it's, it's literally built into the culture of, of Puffer Swiping. And you will get a reminder a week or two before if you haven't taken it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure the reminder gets better if you keep skipping it. Yes. Um, so anyway, so Hans, um, great to meet you. We had a great story today at lunch. But can you kind of talk about your relationship with, with Puffer? Yes, yeah, so well, we, we're from Western Australia. And one of the things we focus on is obviously in the health side of things with uh, process control and uh, certainly on uh, instrument tapping points and measurement there. And uh, over here in uh, Houston, uh, we were looking for a partner with uh, essentially a like-minded sort of philosophy and culture. And uh, there was a very good fit with Puffer Swiven for the Gulf Coast uh, area. And I think uh, the product that we have and uh, certainly with uh, Puffer's uh, reach into this area and certainly with the uh, mutual sort of understanding and safety, is that's uh, a good fit, very good fit. Yeah, and so today you told a story. So we're sitting here, we, people can't see it because it's audio, but you told a story about how this got invented. And I kind of, can we tell that story again to our audience? Because it was it, when you told this at lunch, I was like, man, this has to be told to our audience. Yeah, it would have been about uh, 15, 20 years ago, yeah, about 20 years ago, um, I specialized in uh, noise attenuation and control, and specifically um, one of the major companies uh, we have in Western Australia had a cogen power plant that uh, had uh, steam attenuation problems uh, from uh, the boilers whenever they let off because there were people moving their houses closer and closer to the plant. And if somebody doesn't know what attenuation is, you're basically talking about noise. You're venting, Correct. and it creates like a whistle. So they vent off the safety relief valves when they would vent off, and they'd let off the full pressure from the boiler of steam. That would make a phenomenal noise. Right. And uh, if you're within uh, sort of a mile and a half of that particular refinery, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, it's not a very nice way to wake up. <laughs> right. The equivalent of moving next to a train station and being upset that there's trains rolling through. Correct, correct. So uh, anyway, this uh, one particular day was about 110 degrees in Fahrenheit terms. I went to visit and talk about 
a way we could put silences on the exhausts of these uh, safety relief valves. And uh, during the course of the discussion, we were getting into some detail over the size and weight of these uh, silences and the attenuation plates we were talking about. And the door burst, burst open and there's this young technician, and he wouldn't be more than probably about 20, 21 years of age, dressed in full PPE. And, and I mean, the PPE was, uh, you know, we're talking plastic overalls in 110 degree heat. Not pleasant. Ashen faced. And he said to uh, his boss who was sitting alongside, he said, uh, mate, he said, mate, uh, look, I've just broken a Hilti drill in the tapping point and level tank number so, such and such. Well, our whole conversation just stopped straight there and then. Wait, and let me stop you real quick in case our audience doesn't know what a tapping point is. Yeah. This is a small little hole in the side of a tank through which you measure pressure. And uh, in a process that is uh, higher in slurry or dirty and that uh, hole starts plugging up, you then cannot measure pressure anymore. So what the traditional way is, is you send out little young John who's 21 years of age in full PPE in uh, 110 degree heat and you send him out with a colleague and maybe even a safety guy, possibly even up uh, several flights of stairs to go and manually drill out this plug tapping point so that they can measure the pressure in the vessel. So during this process, he had broken this drill during the uh, procedure, which meant that uh, what they had to do is isolate this tank. It's about 100 foot high and about 50 foot in diameter and drain it completely of this uh, caustic slurry. So that's an expensive exercise. So hence our meeting was cut very, very short. Yeah, of course. It was about two weeks later I got a call back saying, hey, Hans, can you come back and uh, talk to us again about this noise attenuation? I walked in and I saw the guy say, hey, come on, tell me, are you guys for real that you still have young guys going out there and rotting, manually rotting out? I mean, that's a hazardous process because you've got caustic solution on the other side of a tank, sometimes at high pressure, certainly at high temperature. Yeah, dangerous. I mean... And these guys are sitting there and you probably also got obstacles in the way of a safety shower and you're still allowing that to... And he said, Hans, if you can go and find something out there that can uh, solve that problem, he said, uh, you do very well out of us because it's a real issue. It's a major issue in our global operations and the fact that uh, we uh, lose guys from injury and uh, occasionally worse. So what <laughs> happened was um, I said, look, leave it with me, leave it with me. Um, I got buddies in the um, instrumentation game here in the U.S. I came over to a ISA conference, the George Brown Convention Center, met up with uh, some uh, reputable companies and their uh, representatives. And frankly, what they said is, yes, there is a problem in dirty processes in trying to measure pressure and hence also level. But frankly, they're more focused on uh, their instrumentation side of things and not really worried about the actual um, plugging up of the uh, tapping point. So I came back to Australia and I said to the guys, I said, oh, I'm sorry, but nothing out there. I said, duh, you know, we knew that. So uh, for about uh, a while, my colleague and I, we used to spend uh, Friday afternoons. We were lucky. Our offices were above a bottle store. <laughs> so and we had... And people in the U.S. may not know what a bottle store is. Okay. They sell alcohol yeah. <laughs> and refrigerated beer. Yeah. So when you got that downstairs uh, underneath your office, you don't need to borrow the bother about a little bar cabinet or anything <laughs> like that. And our Friday afternoons were pretty good. You know, we, we, we actually uh, solved a lot of the world's problems. <laughs> 
Anyway, I brought out this great big uh, diagram and we started uh, sketching some potential solutions or possible ways which we could uh, do this. And we came up with a preventative method of not trying to unplug the tap that's already plugged, but to just keep it open. Because the critically thing is you want to remove the possibility of any human being having to go and expose themselves to this line of fire. Right. Preventive, not remediation. Correct. So the thing is, and, and more importantly... One of the things that uh, a lot of uh, your audience and a lot of your colleagues would know, that accurate measurement 24-7 is critical. So the thing is, is you go on an efficient operation of the plant, you want to prevent any potential spillage or carryover or leakages or excessive consumption of some of our precious resources, you want to make sure that you can uh, accurately measure the pressure, the level, so that you can get into a more predictive method of uh, process control than necessarily a reactive one. So we worked for a little while and we came up with essentially a very uh, simple tool that we put on the end of uh, proven technology, process packing that's proven around the world and uh, actuation that uses plant air supply, you know, instrument air supply that's proven around the world. And our little tool at the end there just makes sure that 24-7 the tapping point is clear and it allows the operator to measure the process accurately and with confidence. Yeah, and this is such a cool story. So we, we actually need to get a picture of this and put it in the show notes. It's, it's, I love when I see people take a problem and come up with a very simple solution that works. And this is exactly what this is. So it's basically a, a pneumatic um, um, chamber uh, with a piston in it and, he, and it drives a rod that keeps that tapping point open and we we're talking about earlier you said that most people that install this have it run once an hour or once every couple of hours yes, and sir. so that tapping point is just always clear and it's now it's a what was an issue is now a non-issue exactly and i mean you know you think about it for the last uh, 30 40 uh, years when uh, you know pressure transmitters have really evolved into some of the most sophisticated pieces of field instrumentation out there they're still impeded by one issue and that is that they have to be in contact with the process, and especially if it's a dirty process, and that starts clogging up, then they're going to start giving uh, erroneous measures because you have a barrier between the transmitter and the process, and that barrier needs to be just there to protect the, pro the transmitter from getting any of the process back into it. And you want that barrier just to sit there as, as close to a static condition as possible. So you don't want to flow it into the process all the time because at some stage you've got to take, take it out. So from our particular perspective, we sort of thought to ourselves, well, again, let's bring this pressure transmitter that is sophisticated, it's robust, it's economical, a lot of people do it, and let's bring it back into uh, a way where it is reliable and it provides a confidence to the operator. And that is only by making sure we keep the tapping point clear at a greater area and a greater diameter than the sensing or impulse line that goes back to the transmitter. But we also make sure that even whilst we're doing that process, we have an annulus and a profile of our tool to make sure that even whilst we're cleaning the tapping point, we're never isolating the pressure transmitter from the process. Yeah, that's the other thing I thought was genius. When you actually <clears throat> see how this tool, literally the tip 
is designed is designed so the pressure is equal on either side so that you can literally continuously monitor that pressure even while you're rotting out that tapping point and for people that don't understand especially uh, petrochemicals refining sort of stuff those plants they don't have one or two tapping points there's hundreds of tap points sometimes yeah. on a large refine maybe thousands of tapping points and every one of those was a potential problem was a potential loss of revenue was a potential impact to the environment and you've just made all that go away well think about it as well one of the other aspects of it besides because safety was our driving and motivating factor in all of this that was primary the other aspect that came to it was then looking at the efficiency of a plant now i've traveled the world here and when you start talking to people out there they start talking about spurious outages or unplanned shutdowns and there are some major oil uh, companies out there that will actually say that uh, they budget for the fact that they will get due to plug tapping points or loss of pressure or level measurement that they will plan possibly an unplanned outage because of the fact that uh, you know they're not going to be able to measure the pressure and so therefore they have a spurious shutdown. The other aspect that is really, really dangerous as far as we're concerned, if you're within one or two or three weeks of a planned outage, there's a lot of uh, anecdotal evidence out there that says there are operators that are running blind for that last one or two or three weeks because they don't want to phone 12 o'clock and midnight to the maintenance guy and say, hey, listen, can you get Joe to go and clean out that tapping point? They're only literally two or three weeks from a massive shutdown, so they're going to wing it. They just ride it out. And then you have a problem waiting to happen. Yeah, those unplanned outages are always um, they're a huge financial impact to the company, but also because it's not planned, the risk goes through the roof mm. versus the planned outages, which they can mitigate that risk because they know what's going on. Yeah, and I think if you have a look at the uh, sort of incidences there that you have not only with planned outages and unplanned outages, um, you also have the fact that when they then have a planned outage, there's an incredible amount of work that goes down and then replacing all the field instrumentation on those particular tapping points. And we wanted to make the product also easily serviceable. So guys can take it off, go and using standard hand tools. There's no special uh, calibration or any special sort of um, you know, shims or measurements that you need. It's a mechanical device. And what it does is it just sits there and so therefore in the field in your instrument workshop you can take it apart and replace it and have it ready to go back into service in a matter of minutes. Yeah, it looks like I actually could take that apart and put it back together. <laughs> well, I actually love this discussion because we're, we're talking a very, about a very specific application, uh, these tapping points to keep them clear. But it's really a broader topic of when a new piece of equipment's brought online, it's looked at as pristine and when things start to go wrong, um, I had experience with P-tank scales that never worked. The sensors plugging up, all right, we'll just, we'll, we'll bore them out. You start to get used to doing these things that are, they're, you know, it's normalization of deviation. It's not something you ever planned on doing, but it's become the normal operating procedure, so you deal with it. And there's not a real good thought process of, all right, well, if our scales don't work and we're shipping product out the vent line, and that's how we're going to detect that we're, our tank's full, yeah. you're losing product, you're contaminating the environment and you're putting people at risk same thing here you've got a problem that you know is a problem but you'll just deal with it how you've always done with it i really i hope our audience is putting it together that you need to start looking ahead at why don't you solve a problem that's going to cost you a little money up front so you don't have these unplanned outages downtime hazards environmental issues because your piece of equipment is is going to fail 
when you know that's what it's designed to do. If, if you have corrosive material in your system, assume that valves, sensors, pressure gauges are gonna start corroding, have a plan for it before it becomes a problem. And that's, that's what I like about this conversation because it's a very specific application, but it's talking about a broader proactive approach, a preventative versus a remediation. And I think the other aspect of it is also cost reduction and cost mitigation. I mean, if you look at it as some of the methods at which people treat plug tapping points right now is that uh, a lot of them will go to larger diameter taps. So they'll go two and three inch diameter taps, holes in the sides of vessels and tanks. Now think about this. The pressure transmitter does not need a two inch diameter ANSI 600 pound rated high pressure isolation valve and nozzle to measure pressure in the tank. But it's being put in there because they think it's going to take a lot longer to scale up. Now, the pressure transmitter only needs something that's probably half inch, quarter inch, at which to measure that uh, particular pressure inside the tank or the vessel. So let's get away from that very expensive, high pressure, very heavy isolation equipment, 600 ANSI. You don't need it anymore. We can go to one inch or half inch or three quarter inch or two inch maximum. The other aspect you've got to think of is people will be using purge as a medium to blast that hole open. Now, purge is only there as a barrier between the instrument and the process. You don't need that purge to flow continuously in a high volumetric rate. Purge is expensive to make, it's expensive to deliver, and if you have uh, applications where up in Canada, for instance, they will heat trace the purge lines because they want to heat the purge to a temperature as close as the process temperature as possible so your process so doesn't lose, yeah. That's the more, and also you don't get that scale building. Yeah. Now, if you've got yourself, and we have boilers in um, coal-fired power stations that use nitrogen as a perch, and every now and again they blast a high amount of nitrogen into this boiler that is using coal to create the temperature to heat your steam to create your energy. And what does nitrogen do? Nitrogen puts fires out. Right. So. If you can drop your nitrogen consumption in such an application down to bubbles per minute or bubbles per hour and let the auto rider keep your tapping point clear, you're going to save on your nitrogen. More importantly, what you will happen with the nitrogen flowing so slowly or even water if you're in a mineral application or fuel oil if you're in a uh, refinery application, that can preheat in the impulse line because it's flowing so slowly so by the time it gets to the tapping point to maintain the barrier between the process and the instrument, that purge is as close to the process temperature as possible, thereby reducing the incidence of scale buildup. So there's a win-win all the way. So we're cutting the cost down of that. We're cutting the cost of exposing anybody to uh, hazardous routine practices. We're reducing the cost of having to put in very heavy, high-pressure, large-diameter, unnecessary. We're eliminating spurious shutdowns. And the thing is we're allowing people to focus more on what they are skilled at. I mean, why have a highly skilled instrument technician stop calibrating a PLC or a transmitter or positioner and then have to pick up uh, some uh, tools, get a safety guy, get the approval processes, climb, build scaffold, to then go and write out a tapping point. 
Yeah, and the other thing that this affects in a large way is, is action. We talked about this a little bit, is actual the environment. So because this these tapping points are now routinely kept clear and you don't have to manually go in and try to drill them out or you're not diluting the, the process with the purge, you're less likely to actually have an impact in the environment. You're less likely to have something spilled, something leaked, um, which then causes your the, the way that your plant is seen in the public it, it, it helps you, right? If you don't have vents, the atmosphere, the people live there appreciate that, and you get a much better relationship with that local population. Exactly. I think I can relate to a couple of uh, instances. One is where we've uh, successfully solved a problem where they used to have spillage loading molten sulfur. Not and something you want spilled. In you don't also, want spill also known as brimstone. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, this is a funny application because uh, in Western Australia, most of the tanker uh, drivers and the, uh, the guys that uh, transport uh, these great big volumetry tanks, they're all in, uh, you know, proprietors. They're, they're, they're owner-operators. And the last thing they want to do is go and have their tank uh, covered in molten sulfur because the fact is, is that the uh, pressure transmitter didn't shut off the valve at the right time. So therefore, uh, he, he got all grumpy. And more importantly, then he would very often these guys would let it and say, well, let it spill. And then the spillage would go beyond the tanker into the bunded area onto the ground beforehand. And then the local authorities would then have to uh, come and talk to the uh, particular operator and issue them with a fine. We had other instances where, again, it comes down to accurate measurement. If you have confidence in your level measurement, let's say on, on tanks, where you're controlling the level through a series of tanks during the process stream that you're making. And you don't have confidence in that level. There's two things you're going to do. You're either going to risk the fact that uh, you may have a combination of purge back pressure coming back that you're measuring and a combination of process pressure because your tapping point is partially closed. And you may therefore run to the problem where your tank overflows and now all of a sudden it might be a highly toxic chemical that you overflow. Or else you say, well, look, I cannot uh, have the problem where my boss might get really mad at me. So I'm going to reduce the flow rate through that uh, process train because I don't want to risk having overflow. So therefore I'm going to come down maybe 5 10% because I'm going to have a little bit of protection factor, a bit of padding in there. And that's what's going to also cause a problem that you have an inefficient plant. Well, and these are tenets of uh, process improvement and reliability that when you talk about accuracy, if you don't have an accurate measurement, you really don't know when you're going to fill, when you're going to be empty. Uh, on the flip side of that, you've got reliability. So you may always be 5% over. And I, I've been on tankers where you had sticky notes next to the <laughs> gauges saying this one reads a foot higher than it always is. This one, and there are all over. There's a plus one and a half. There's a minus two and it's all over. And that's an unofficial way of keeping track of the reliability. You know it's not reliable, but it's accurate. It's always a foot and a half off. And the accuracy is another thing. If you, if you don't have the accuracy, you don't know what it is. It's, your, it's a guessing game. So you have to pad it. You have to stop it, slow the rate down, keep an eye on it, have somebody out there with a sounding rod, whatever your method to fix that is. But that's if you're trying to have an efficient system, a lean or, or whatever you're, you're doing, accuracy and reliability go hand in hand. And you you can't have a good process, an efficient process, if you don't have both of those. Absolutely. And I mean, it's not as though we're trying to reinvent the wheel and we're not pushing the laws of physics. I mean, it's a, it's a preventative way just to make sure, hey, guys, you don't need to mess around with changing anything. It's not rocket science. All we're doing is we're saying, hey, listen, 
Let's make sure that we keep that hole open so we can always measure accurately, that we keep people out of harm's way. And at the same time, what we do is we save a lot of money. I mean, you know, you sort of have a look at the fact that people uh, quite, a, quite often sort of think safety is expensive. Try accidents. Yep. You know, I mean, uh, that's something that you really don't want to sort of uh, countenance. I think the other aspect that uh, a lot of processes start uh, looking at doing is if you have a look at very, very clean processes, very fortunately in the part of the world where I come from, we have a lot of LNG plants, very clean process. Now, when you go onto an LNG plant and you have a look at it, they have pressure and level and flow measurement at every possible point they want because they want to know well ahead of time before they might have an, an issue with a compressor trip or possibly a carryover or possibly some other issue happening. Okay. In a dirty application, when you have a dirty refinery, you have a look at what they're trying to do is they're trying to minimize the number of contact points that they measure the process variable. So very often that process variable is only being measured at those critical points, which means that all of a sudden when you do have an alarm at a high, high level, all of a sudden it's now reactive. Damn, we got to shut down that thing. we got to react. we got to panic. I'd yeah. say it, worse than that, you may have somebody say, no, nah, that, that gauge is always off a little bit and not do anything and then cause an incident. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I think uh, so, so the philosophy we want to sort of bring around is to, you know, focus on safety is actually very, very advantageous to also leading into other areas of uh, making sure you get the efficiency, you get the savings, and it all comes down to dollars and it comes down to also making sure we don't have accidents happening like uh, caused by taking a risk on a particular process variable measurement or or, or having a, a, an upset condition yeah it's so hans it's um y'all actually have these manufactured where we have them manufactured up in uh, portland oregon portland oregon yes yeah. sir right here in the usa yes sir i think one of the things that uh, we focus on and I love American industry. I keep saying to people that I absolutely, I'm amazed that we decided to do some due diligence and to come and see what it takes to come here and, and uh, partner with, uh, you know, American companies and, and uh, have, a, have an insight into the U.S. culture of doing business. And it was very interesting when we started talking to the major oil and chemical refiners. The first thing they said is, hey, listen, we want it manufactured in the U.S.A. I thought, that's wonderful. Back in Australia, they say, we don't care where it's manufactured. We want bottom line. We want the cheapest price. Right. So first of all, coming to the U.S. and getting that being told to me by a major company, global company, was, was very pleasing. And then uh, the next thing is they said, look, we want to work with a reputable uh, you know, representative, distributor in our, in our region. And again, you sort of think, wow, that's fantastic. And so we can set up a partnership and we can work with that kind of culture. And uh, so we did a lot of due diligence. There were a couple of things that are a little bit different in the way that uh, we work on imperial on uh, metric measurements in Australia. So we needed to make sure we became familiar with the imperial measurements and dimensions and become well-versed in that. Isn't it aggravating? Not really. <laughs> I, so, you know, I, I did four years of Marine Corps. The metric system just makes total sense every which way. If a nine doesn't fit, then you go to a ten. Right, and you go back to our inches and feet and yards and and pounds and miles, and it's just the whole world uses the metric system except us. I hate the word ton. Ton, <laughs> ton has half a dozen different meanings. <laughs> it certainly does. So, 
So we did some work, and I must say, uh, we were we were really really pleased to be able to uh, find Cascade Precision up in uh, Oregon that uh, took on the role of of uh, undertaking to manufacture to our specifications. We we have just recently uh, recertified ourselves to ISO 9001, the uh, 2012 uh, the the risk analysis um, right. yeah. uh, uh, certification. We're halfway get through getting uh, UL. Uh, class 1 DV2 HASLOC certification. The guys up at uh, UL in uh, Ohio are, are test as we speak now, testing our units. And again, uh, they're being manufactured by a company up in, um, up in Washington State, is it? Yeah, I think we actually have somebody in the room that might be a little familiar with that company. <laughs> She's not on the microphone. Um, and then the next thing is obviously uh, working with uh, Puffer Swiven has been just something that uh, we're just incredibly pleased and proud that that partnership, and uh, you know we're looking forward to uh, certainly supporting them. I think uh, you know again the cultural um, you know similarity over what we want to achieve. We're a solution provider. Uh, the order rider that we make is not like a button. We're not out there just mass producing them. We do work with end users. We work with our uh, distributors and representatives because the modularity allows it to suit, you know, different sizes and pressure ratings and, and uh, lengths of stroke, etc. Wasn't it nice to actually come and do business in an environment that is not... In our business culture in oil and gas is cost sensitive, but isn't it nice where people don't put that as a number one priority? Oh, it's wonderful. It's absolutely <laughs> magnificent. And, you know, the thing is, is that when you have people that uh, sort of focus on saying, hey, look, this is where we want it to come from. We want someone nearby that can service up. And this is a company that services us the best. You know, you then know that, hey, listen, okay, well, these are the yards. These are, these are, this is where the bar is set. And as long as I maintain that bar and exceed it or exceed it, I'm going to do well. You will, as, as, as long as you're, you're continuing to do business open and transparent and honest like you're doing now and you have the right partners like Puffer, um, this industry will just welcome you in. And it's, I'm really looking forward to y'all's successful growth here in the U.S. It'd be kind of fun a year from now maybe to revisit and just see what what's happening. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I'd love, love, to, to, I'd love to hear what the adoption rate is for this type of technology as well because it's, it's, something like this is a, an ideal solution that if this piece of equipment fails, it can be easily replaced, repaired, and worst case scenario, you're back to the, the old way of doing things where you still, you know, you haven't lost anything. It, well, but you, but you, we, you mentioned how interested you are in what kind of reception they're getting here in the U.S. Well, we've been working with them, say, about a month, I think, with them. And we already have next week book with them with all the majors here in the Gulf Coast. That is awesome. Because everybody is interested in hearing what they have to say. Oh, I'm, 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 I guarantee you they are. And so, uh, Louis, uh, since you jumped in here... Um, how close are you actually going into being able to actually sell these things? Are we looking at We're there now. You're there now. I mean, if people want to talk to us about it, they can go ahead and reach out to Puffer Swiven because we are their representative here in the Gulf Coast. Yep. So you have stuff in stock already? It's actually built to order. Oh, is, oh <laughs> that's interesting. So it's built to order. Yes, sir. Yeah. It, it's, so, a, it's a safety thing, so it's built to order. I love that. I love that. So you make sure you get the customer's exact requirements. It's not something off the shelf, although it's a whole bunch of off-the-shelf parts Correct. Yeah, that's genius. And, uh, you know, as um, certainly as uh, Jake would uh, attest to the fact that uh, he already has on the, on the shelf uh, components and within a matter of one or two weeks he can start putting together. I think probably the thing that takes the longest time is, is, is to make sure that uh, everything is documented, serialized, and that we do the proper testing, the function testing, pressure testing. So, 
It's just, uh, yeah, we can build in pretty quickly. So it's a shame we don't have Jake on the mic because now I'm kind of curious, how big of an audit trail do you have? Can I go back and find out where that rod actually came from? Absolutely. That's we awesome. Have, we have uh, every single auto rod has its own individual serial number, which is then traced back to a job file. Now, that particular job file then cross-references with the customer's tag number, purchase order number, and within that we'll have the heat heat numbers of the certification related to the wetted parts because every wetted part must be certified material and included in that we'll have the serial number, the job number and the tag number will be cross-referenced on our computer so that even if in five, six, seven, eight years time you come back and you say, hey listen, I want another one of these or I want a part to suit this but I've only got my tag number, we can search and find that. Man, you talk about quality control, that's like hip joint manufacturing quality control. That is really cool. I mean, it can tell that you have your heart and your mind behind this. You want to do it right the first time. Absolutely. I mean, I was very privileged that in the early years of, uh, you know, my sort of career, I was uh, working with some phenomenally, um, you know, highly accredited U.S. manufacturers. We were bringing their product into Australia. And you learn a lot from uh, how these guys operate and how these guys work. And so, therefore, I was... uh, I pinched a few of the things that they'd done and incorporated. You pinched the the good ones, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, We're getting close to starting to wind down the show. It's actually time to do our Red Wing Tip of the Week. So, Hans, Luis, you have a Red Wing Safety Tip of the Week? Yeah, I think uh, certainly, guys, we have a system in uh, Australia where we call three points of contact. When you're going up and down stairs, it's critical because especially in some chemical plants, especially after rain showers and all that, I've seen guys that have... uh, gone and taken uh, more than one step and possibly let the hand off the rail at the same time come down on a knee and ouch that hurts yeah that, that's actually that's old school that's a really good safety absolutely tip. you get in a hurry or you're carrying something and i just got to go up these stairs or down the stairs you you're, you are setting yourself up for if something happens now you're yeah my son makes fun of me, but I'm, he does not come down the stairs with his hands on the rail, right? I'm going to drill that into him. Mm-hmm. I, still use, fr- I still use trailing hand, and I, even though I'm not trailing on a moving yeah. vessel. But, uh. hey, hey, Patrick, tell me, if you have a ladder at home and you want to go out and clear the, the gutters up there, how good are you there with your three points of contact? <laughs> <laughs> well, I always have my wife hold it, and, and that's a personal story. My, my mom was going to the second step of a ladder, hanging a birdhouse, fell off it, and just broke herself in, I mean multiple fractures uh, she was down in the in the weeds my dad couldn't find her said the dachshund was jumping all over it was it was a mess so ladders are a sore subject in my family <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah good stuff um so patrick now it's time for our red wing bag winner and this week's winner of the red wing offshore bag is Corey heitzman he's the environmental practice lead at aecom Congratulations for being this week's winner of Red Wings Offshore Bag. So uh, congratulations on winning this awesome Red Wing Offshore Bag. Luis, Hans, would you, if you all like to win the bag, see, it's right there. It's that one, right? <laughs> Very nice bag. Yeah, Red, Red, Wing, Red Wing will ship internationally, I believe. They will ship internationally. Oh, There's only one way you can do it. you got to go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Put your information in. We give away one lucky bag winner a week. And it could be you, or it could be anybody listening. So go, go, redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. See official site for rules and details. Um, Patrick, want to talk a little about the LinkedIn group? A LinkedIn group, the Oil and Gas Global Network, or OGGN. LinkedIn's changed up a little bit, so I don't think you can just type in OGGN anymore. But Darn LinkedIn. Yeah. They keep changing stuff, not to I, I can still type it in, but I know when I was in incognito, I couldn't find it. Anyway, um, go to the LinkedIn group. You can uh, join the conversation there. Everything from tips on what you're doing at, at, at work, uh, finding jobs, 
getting help with closing sales. It's a global community that's focused on helping other professionals in the oil and gas industry. Yeah, and it's all the podcasts. It's, it's the, the sister to all the podcasts. This one, Oil and Gas This Week, we have Oil and Gas Industry Leaders launching, out, yeah. all the new podcasts coming out. And if you don't know about the new podcast and you want to find out first, go to our website, oilandgashsne.com. Give us your email address. Nope. I did it again? <laughs> you did it again. All right, let me try it again. Go to the website, oilandgashsne.com. Got it. Got it. All right. Give us your email address. We will not spam you, but the people that sign up on our website will be the first to learn about everything new, including the new really cool podcasts that are coming out that people don't know about except people here in this room. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if uh, you like the show, can you do me a favor? Please, please, please leave us a review. If you less, left us a review in the past, and we're not going to go into the details on why, but they've disappeared. Mark's fault. <laughs> yeah, it was my fault. So if you left us one in the past, can you do me a favor and go back and leave us one now on iTunes? It takes all of five minutes. And then we need to thank our on-the-road sponsors. So for 2017, we have Total Land. They're the world's most advanced field land management system. Patrick, they literally are the landman's virtual office. They are. It's a it's a great facility. If, and if you're at NAPE, I think they're going to be there again this year. Oh, they're go, always go check them out. And, yeah. but, and they've got a booth to go see. They, they do something crazy every time. Yeah. In fact, our entire audience, if you go to NAPE, you need to go talk to Total Land and tell them thank you for being an on-the-road sponsor. And we also have to take Lee Heck Harrison, our global, their global experts in talent management. Lee Heck Harrison is currently helping 75% of the Fortune 500 oil and gas companies, Patrick. And they're doing this with leadership and workforce transformation. So um, hats off to both of our travel sponsors. And then if you have a trade association, you have a company event, an HSE meeting, uh, your school, anything, gun club, whatever, you'd like Patrick and I to come speak, reach out to us and we'd love to share the details. So it's been a great show. We're winding things down. Uh, Lewis, man, thank you so much for having us here in, in your headquarters and thank jumping you. on the microphone with us. No, thank you for uh, doing this for us. We think we have a, a good relationship with a very good uh, solution for some of our customers. Yeah, if people want to find out more about Puffer Slicing, where should they go? They can go to our website at www.puffer.com, or they can give me a call at 281-274-6117. Sales guy. You got that <laughs> phone number out there. I, I can't get the sales out of me, okay? <laughs> no, no, no. We'll stick a link in the show notes so people can just click on it. And, and then, um, Hans, if people want to find out more about your company, where should they go? www.clearguard.com. Yeah, and we'll put a link in the show notes there as well. And if you want to see what this is, you say you've got some videos on there that, that yeah. demonstrate how this, this all we got works some, out. We've got some videos on there. We've got some uh, references. We've got uh, all sorts of pretty things. Yeah, so so maybe instead of us sticking a picture in the show notes, we'll just have a link to their website because so, the videos has to be much better than Absolutely, our, yeah. me taking a picture of my iPhone. Okay. All right. Well, so, gentlemen, this has been great. Uh, we need to get out of here. Patrick, is there anything else we didn't cover? No, I think that does it. All right, folks, don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond. This was at a particular alumina refinery a tapping point that needed to be rotted out okay and uh, before they could rot anything out they had to install a safety shower there has to be a safety shower within three meters or ten foot of the point that they are actually going to rot out and uh, on this particular day there was a change in shift 
So the, uh, the technician that was going to do the uh, rotting out was coming to the end of his shift, so he organized for the safety shower to be, in, uh, to be behind him when he's rotting out. Now, he's right-handed, so he organized for the safety shower to put, be put three meters behind him whilst he was rotting out a tapping point, standing up using a right-handed procedure. At the end of the shift, he went home because he didn't get time to actually rot out the tapping point, but the safety shower got put in. The technician that was coming up to do the actual job was left-handed. So he would have to face and potentially cross the line of fire to Ooh. get to a safety shower. Uh, crazy, yeah. And the, they, they caught that before he actually rot it out. The, le the left-handed guy came up and just basically walked back down and said, I'm not doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> 